Orcas and salmon are friends that need help. Our ocean pals are facing some trouble. Less trouble, more bubbles. There's so much we can do. Do you know what I'm thinking? Let's start preaching extinction. Hello, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. For those of you that are new here, the Breaching Extinction podcast explores the plight of the endangered southern resident killer whales through interviews with the people trying to save them. There are currently less than 80 southern resident killer whales left, and they are currently threatened by lack of prey, vessel noise, and water toxins. All these factors impact one another and play a significant role in their population decline. They have historically spent much of their time in the Salish Sea. However, they've been seen less and less likely forced out of their home by lack of prey as well as busy and toxic waters. I'm your host, Erica Worth, and I decided to start this podcast in 2019 after spending a summer working in the Salish Sea and learning about these animals. Each week, I dive into a new conversation with guests from varying perspectives. I approach these topics through an interdisciplinary lens in hopes of uncovering the intricacies of this complex issue. Through this, I hope to share insight as well as fit the puzzle pieces together needed to save this species. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in being featured on the podcast or sponsoring us, please reach out over Instagram at Breaching Extinction or send an email to info at breachingextinction.com. Thanks. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. I hope you guys had a wonderful two weeks. Um, This week, I chatted with Marie Swau about her master's thesis studying the stereotyped whistles of the southern resident killer whales. I'll be sure to post the actual study in um, the description here. But some exciting news, we do have three uh, southern resident pregnancies. So that's pretty neat. Potentially more. Who knows? In other news, we did have some wins southern resident wise. So Orca Behavior Institute shared a post earlier this week um, about the Wild Fish Conservancy's lawsuit that they brought against NOAA. So basically, the federal court ruled and found NOAA in violation of the Endangered Species Act by authorizing commercial salmon harvest to levels that threaten the survival of the southern residents. So basically, they're in violation of the Endangered Species Act, and they now um, have to deal with the legal repercussions of that. So that's a big win. Super important to be holding everybody accountable for their actions, even the people who are supposed to be doing the right thing. So um, even Noah is not not perfect, not always doing the best thing. So um, just some food for thought there, but this is something that we can be following here. Um, check out Orca Behavior's Facebook page because I think that they're giving updates, or at least they did earlier this week, and as well as the uh, Wild Fish Conservancy. Also, in other news, the co-extinction film is premiering now. They had their world premiere at Jackson Wild Film Festival. Festival, bear with me here, guys, earlier this month. Um, and then they just went to the Vancouver Film Festival. They will be at the Friday Harbor Film Festival later this month as well. So definitely check it out online and join if you can. The movie isn't streaming anywhere yet, but you can still catch it online virtually at a lot of these film festivals. So definitely check it out if you guys can. Um, But without further ado, we'll get started with our episode. 
So first of all, thank you very much for contacting me and give me the chance to speak in this podcast. Uh, I'm very honored uh, and I hope that even with my strength, uh, my strong French accent, everybody will be able to understand. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> um, yeah. Fair enough. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Um, so this week I have Marie Swau here with me and she's here to talk about her master's thesis um, studying acoustics of the Southern resident killer whale. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your current position and how you got to where you are now. So uh, I'm 27 years old. I'm French and I'm uh, passionate about marine environment and always been about whale and dolphin. I did a first master's degree in uh, aquatic environment, uh, like river management and because I knew that the field of marine biology would be really tough and, and there was no, no job position in France. So I was like, okay, let's do something else. And then I went to Australia for almost two years and saw a lot of whale and, and dolphin and turtle. And, I, and when I came back, I was like, no, Marie, you have to try <laughs> to do your, like you speak more English. And so you, if it's not in France that you will find a job, you can find it everywhere. So uh, no boundary. So I, I did another master's degree in conservation behavior. Uh, they had a specific class in uh, acoustic monitoring I was really interested about. And uh, for uh, the, for the um, internship, I uh, contacted uh, the Orca Behavior Institute uh, here in St. John Island uh, to work with Kilowell, which was my, my dream <laughs> to yeah. study Kilowell. I contacted everybody working with Kilowell and I almost got like no answer. Mm -hmm. uh, only Monica and a, a French guy working with them in, in, in Norway uh, answered me. Uh, so I was really glad that she, she accepted me. And uh, yeah, this summer I was working on uh, uh, monitoring cetacean in uh, the uh, uh, Gulf of Napoli in Italy. And now I'm looking for a job. That's awesome. That's uh, really, I think that's kind of funny that you were like, I'm going to not study marine science because it's hard. And then you come back to it. I have like a kind of a similar story. I was like trying to, I, like, I've always loved animals, but I was like, I'm going to study the land animals because the marine animals are dying and that's really sad. And I don't want to like go through that. And I feel like it's one of those things where it just like, if you're supposed to do it, you're supposed to do it and you're going to end up doing it no matter what. So I think it's funny to hear you say that. Yeah, but I think like uh, because I wasn't speaking English really well, also at the beginning, I I was like, like I had to stay in France and in France is really like really no opportunity, not like Canada or US and yeah. Australia. And, and once I, I had like two language, I was like, okay, <laughs> now, and then COVID strike and I was like, fuck, I'm blocking France. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. COVID seriously threw a wrench in things. Oh my gosh. That's so annoying. Um, so did you get to go to the San Juan Islands to do any of your research? Yeah, I was actually in San Juan Island in February, uh, just before uh, the COVID outbreak. And, and then my mom was like, uh, maybe you should come back. And I was like, no, no, no. I didn't do all of this work uh, to go to US to just give up now. Like, And so I stay until July and I had the chance to, well, I could see them from shore when they were around. Uh, but uh, 
we had the chance to go on the whale watching boat uh, sometime uh, to collect some data nice. as well, but more in July. But the island is just so amazing. It's so nice. Like, yeah, it was the yeah. best. Oh my gosh. I it's could, so I could, like everybody was like struggling during the the COVID like uh, lockdown, and me, I was like just enjoying my time and seeing like whale and dolphin from, uh, not dolphin, but whale from shore, or, like purposes. Uh, and I was like, no, I'm busy living my best life. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, that's totally fair. That's a that's a great way to spend COVID. I had a friend who like was down in Baja, Mexico, and like. She was in this teeny little village and COVID hadn't even hit. And like everyone else was like in the thick of COVID. And she's like, I'm just in my little tropical bubble, like thriving. <laughs> Sounds like you. Um, that's awesome. I'm glad you got to do that. Um, so you said you were on a whale watching boat. Do you like, did you go out with like a whale watching company or and like? Yeah, you, you know, Maya's way? legacy when they had like, uh, that's the magnet with our cab behavior when they have some free spot they uh, allow us to come and uh, collect data as well oh that's cool yeah the one ellie is working with okay that's awesome um so did you just like drop a hydrophone in and collect the data that way well it would be more like uh behavior oh. data and id and um yeah no the, the dropping the hydrophone uh, we did more with monica the obi but uh only okay. once or twice like it like the like we more collected behavioral data than acoustic like this year like the okay nice so your entire master's thesis was about the acoustics of the southern residents why is it important to study cetacean acoustics and what can we learn from it well um it's like uh when you you want to learn about uh spanish culture and uh, you're like should I learn Spanish? <laughs> kind of. It's a, like, I don't know if, like, who is listening to the podcast, but like, sometimes I do like easy comparison. Okay, it's not the same, but like, kind of, because like, they like, the like, uh, acoustic is about like, they're uh, listening to uh, cetacean communicating. So it's like they're talking to each other. So we can learn a lot from, from that. Um, so, of course, it's uh, important. And also because, um, Communication play a, uh, an important role for survival, reproduction, uh, courtship, hunting behavior, and social interaction. And uh, also to better understand their behavior, it's really important, uh, especially when you want to implement some uh, regulation to protect them. It's like, okay, it's a stupid okay, uh, comparison, but like if you want to protect squirrel, you won't uh, dig a hole under the, the, um, the road to, to make them cross the road, you would put like a rope between two trees to have them climb because you know that they're climbing. So if you want to, to protect them, you, you have to know what they're actually doing and where and why. So like there's no point uh, putting like a protected area when you know that they're actually not going. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we've there's so many examples even within the Southern residents like earlier on in the 1900s and whatnot of what different conservation or like management techniques that were not based in science. And so it was detrimental to them and same for a lot of other species. So that is super important. Um, how do scientists collect acoustic data? So they, uh, they use a device called, uh, which goes underwater called an hydrophone. 
So it seems pretty easy, but uh, depending on your need of the acoustic data set, uh, there is different way to collect them. Uh, and there's a lot of parameters to take into consideration. Like for example, depending of if you want to study only one species or several, like they not uh, talking at the same frequency, like some like whispering and some like, <laughs> like in different. Uh, so uh, if you want to study Kilowell uh, in another, yeah, anyway, no, I'm not going this way. Uh, and so, uh, for example, you can uh, moor an hydrophone uh, to the bottom uh, in, for a long period of time to know if these, the species are like coming or not. And that's what they're doing at Limekine uh, State Park. They have an hydrophone uh, there. And when there is a call, the call of the southern resident killer whale, they know they're here. But there is like, sometimes they can be, uh, um, for other species as well, uh, like something they would do like in high sea uh, mm -hmm. for a big project. And they would be like, oh yeah, no, there's sperm well here. And they, uh, there's probably like a big, like an important area for sperm well. So we can't, we can't forage or we can't try to find uh, oil or whatever. And, um, and, and then there's also uh, the one uh, to, uh, uh, know like uh, how many species in a, an area you, you have. So you will uh, use a boat and tow an, an hydrophone uh, behind the boat. And all the time you hear a new species, you'll be like, oh yeah, there's dolphin. And then you'll be like, oh, there's sperm whale. And then depending of the survey you're doing, you will be able to, uh, to do an estimation of abundance of the species. Uh, sometimes you can also track sperm whale because they have like a redirectional flick and you will be like, be able to find it and uh, identify it and, and then collect acoustic data. And there's also like a, a nice one uh, is called a D tag. It's actually tagging the whale and it like, it's not harmful for them because it's a suction cup and it would like get, uh, uh, be removed out of the whale like after 20 hours and it will uh, integrate sounds and also movements. So when the whale will be diving, you will be able to know like how deep and how fast and also uh, um, record the sound. So it will be like a link between uh, between these two. Um, yeah, this, this one uh, might be tricky to, to put on the whale, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. that's, uh, yeah, but also like for the acoustic, you also need like uh, uh, behavior data and also um, the coordinate, like you have to have extra, like, you can't just record and be like, oh yeah, good. Like you have to have other, um, integrate other um, detail in, uh, in the data to have them like correct. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like too, it's kind of like, it would be nice if we could get video footage like underneath the water while we're collecting acoustic data. But I feel like sometimes like the cameras are not up to par, the water's murky. Um, like we can get a lot of information from surface behavior, but I feel like there's gotta be a lot more going on underneath the water that we don't know. Yeah, but I think they've been trying to develop that. Uh, I'm not sure at Orca Lab. Okay. Uh, in, uh... Yeah, and about sperm whale, I think they try to do that. Because yeah, for sure, like having video would help, but uh, yeah, you need to be good quality water. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, 
So there were, in your study, you described three categories of calls produced by orcas. What are those three calls? Um, so the three calls, like the discrete variable in uh, aberrant call. Uh, so the variable are the ones that are like produced only once in some like uh, stereotype or discrete. They're the one who have like the same shape and, and you can listen in, in the same sounds. And so they repeat it and repeat it and you're like, okay, it's kind of like we decide, like John Ford decided to define it as stereotype and uh, they're really famous now. And, uh, and the aberrant one would be like a mix between like a stereotype and a variable. Uh, so yeah, and then like these three sound, three categories of sound produced by Orca would be like clicks, put calls and whistles. Uh, clicks would be more like to detect the prey and, uh, and, and then the pulse call would be like more like for communication as well for, as whistle, but whistle, like they produce way less than calls. So they have been less studied as well. That makes sense. Um, so your study is titled Stereotyped Whistles in Southern Resident Killer Whales. What questions were you trying to answer and how did you conduct that research? Um, so it was uh, one study uh, uh, using uh, some recording from, uh, I'm not sure, nine, well, uh, well, I can't remember the, yeah, since 1983, but yeah, anyway, from further. And, um, and it was interesting to know like if they were still producing them because uh, we did, like, it was no research going on on, on this whistle. Because if they still producing them after 30 years, like you know that they're really uh, important for their communication. Like they won't produce the same whistle that have been producing like 30 years ago for no reason. So like we don't know the reason, but they, they have to be, they has to be important. So I think it was more to know like if they should maybe more study or if we had to focus a little bit more on this because there's a lot of lack of uh, knowledge on the whistle. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was yeah more to know like if they were really important or or not, and um, and I'm I'm not sure like if you should keep it or not. But I I have when I was doing my thesis, I read something about the acoustic performance, which could be impacted by habitat pressure, noise pollution, habitat fragmentation, and habitat loss. I'm not sure it was for birds or loss of biodiversity and also, also toxin exposure. And since the southern resident killer whale are really highly exposed uh, and apparently toxin exposure can impact brain development and affect vocal learning. And that we know that the southern resident killer whale actually uh, learn the whistle like from other. During my thesis, I was like, it was nice to know that they were still producing the same sounds as the whistle because maybe you you can like you know they are in danger they know that yeah. they are uh, contaminated so i was like maybe potentially uh they could be affected there it could affect their yeah, their sounds production production definitely so it was it was nice to know that they were still producing the same one and it was nice to know that they they were producing new one as well uh, it was like okay no they're doing good for communication so yeah that definitely is a, a good thing to hear for sure 
So give us a brief history of our understanding of Southern Resonant Killer Whale Acoustics. So the Canadian scientist John Ford identified like around 30 calls produced by the Southern Resident Killer Whale. Huh. And, um, and they all consider as like G clan with like with G, K and L pod. And they, but they all, the pod have their own dialects. It's like, like Italian people, they all Italian, but uh, in Napoli, they have Italian, uh, Napoli, Napoli dialect. And in the North, they have their dialect. It's the same for uh, for the Southern resident Kiowa. They all the Southern resident Kiowa, but GK and L pod have like their own, yeah, dialect. So, um, and, and yeah, so apparently, like when you go at Limecan, you can. I'm I'm not really uh, good at like recon recognizing the the call of the southern resident killer whale, but some are really, really good. And and when they, you can hear them at the hydrophone at Limecan, you can know which pod is it. So it's pretty pretty good for acoustic monitoring. They, so, okay, so when I read your paper, you said that there were, like, originally how many calls were thought to exist? Well, like, uh, the calls, like, I, I apparently, like, there's around 30, but, like, for the whistle, like, it was four identified before. Yeah. And, uh, and we find three that have been identified in the new, the years that we uh, study in uh, three more. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Um, so you analyzed in your study years from 2006 to 2007 and then 2015 to 2017. Why did you pick those years to analyze data? Well, um, so the the recording that I've been using was from uh, that Monica Whelan-Schild, the co-director of the Orca Behavior Institute. I did my... Uh, Master thesis with uh, allow me to use them, and um, I had to. I wanted to have like two different periods, like with like a little bit of time uh, in between, and I wanted as well. Like we wanted uh, a consequent amount of uh, of recording because uh, some years it was like a lot of G pod recording, but maybe no L pod. And so I wanted to have like a, a, approximately the same amount of GK and LPOD and also the mix of the Southern resident. Okay. And also some are like some issue with uh, the quality. So, and also some had like to be removed because of the background noise. So yeah, it was, yeah, I wanted to have them apart, but uh, sometimes like I couldn't use some of them. Um, well, that makes sense. Um, what yeah. kind of background back? Uh, what kind of background noise were you hearing? Is it just like boats going through, or is it like little shrimp popping, or what kind of stuff? Well, uh, no, the the boat noise would be the one, the the, the worst one. Uh, to that would like would take all the frequency and all the noise. It, it would be really awful. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely... Yeah, the shrimps, you know, it's shrimp, so it's okay. Like, you know, okay, you're ruining a little bit my recording, but it's like, it's it's not that bad. Yeah, but... no, that's fair. Um, Okay, so you just like took out the years where there was like not a ton of data or if there was too much boat noise. Um, I mean, that makes sense if we're trying to figure out what type of calls they have. 
Um, and so there were three new whistles present, you said, and then SW4, you said, wasn't heard as frequently. Why do you think that we heard three new whistles and we didn't hear an original one as often? Um, well, we did hear SW1 and SW2 and SW3, but SW4, uh, at some point we thought we might have one, but we were not really convinced that it was the same uh, based on the shape uh, because we didn't have the recording that they, they've been using. So it was mainly on the shape, uh, but yes. Um, I don't know, like there's two possibilities for uh, this shift, or like shift, not really shift, but to have a new one. Like first uh, it would like, it would be possible that uh, the change of uh, family composition of the southern resident killer whale uh, between the two time periods, or like actually three, uh, would make like have like different sound production. Mm -hmm. And also, it would be also possible that uh, individuals are actually shifting their acoustic repertoire over the course of their lifetime. So before they were producing SW4 and now they don't want to do it anymore. So they just stopped producing it. And so nobody learned and then it just disappeared. Like, like we, we, we can't really say for sure, but uh, I think probably due to, yeah, change of composition. Yeah. Um, that but they, in the same time, it could also be like, they trying to adapt their whistle more uh, depending of, of the background noise or of, of, I don't know, like could be a lot of different factors that could be like, we didn't do the background noise, but maybe they, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Cause you know, other people that I've talked to that have studied acoustics, but other people that I've talked to that study acoustics have like the ones that I've listened to from like Orca Lab and stuff. It's like, they, like you can, totally hear the the whale sound drowning out and that kind of leads me into the next question that I have which is we noticed that there was an increase in um, kilohertz over the last several years and I wonder if it had something to do with that because there is a ton of noise um, in the Salish Sea and that you know there's at least 30 years of data to show that it's not impacting them well do you think that that had something to do with it? Uh, well, is there not a study about like the fact that they're speaking louder to try to uh, understand each other and cover the the noise of the of the boat? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it would make sense uh, that they would do that, or maybe try to get closer. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, the background noise you say in the Salishi, but it's it's actually really everywhere, uh, yeah. everywhere in the uh, in the Gulf of Napoli. I was really surprised, like. That it was like sperm whale and dolphin around when you see so, so many yachts, they were like massive and and so noisy. Like on Saturday, it was like awful. You put the hydrophone and you were like just like can't hear anything. Uh, like uh, and <laughs> what is really incredible also for the killer whale in, in Saishi is like, yeah, why they not? <laughs> living like when when they just cope with that all the time and 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 i guess because they're still here we're like oh no they're doing good but it's like no like they're coping and they just dealing with it because that yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty hard mm. yeah it is really hard i can only imagine what that's like for them because 
you know, I'm sure many people have gone scuba diving or snorkeling and you go in on days that are like a little bit more murky than others or choppy that just make it harder to understand your surroundings, which is, you know, why they've evolved to be a little more acoustically inclined. So I can imagine that the tool that you use most to understand your surroundings when something gets in the way of that, that that makes it difficult for them. I mean, they may, it shows they're so resilient though. Like the fact that they have, it seems like they just from every single direction, there's something and they are like persistent still. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I guess that's really lucky. Well, at first it's protected. So maybe that helped, but they, there is no more, like not that many, like not that, that much uh, boat strike. Yeah. Because uh, with the noise, like I think, I, I can't say that the reason, but like in like we have like a lot of ship strike in South of France uh, with Finway, yeah. and they don't know the reason because they really, yeah, they have used a lot of acoustic and they should be aware of the surroundings. So does the sound like actually just disrupt them so much that they actually are so stressed they they just don't see the boat coming and that that, that happened. Like in, in, in Italy, we had like a, a sperm where the back was like so bad like badly hurt like it was like a, a v in the like after the in the back i was like wow and and he was still like diving doing his 45 minute dive and i was like wow they have enough like, because he was sure it was a ship strike and it was probably just tried to escape and it was like like they they just cope with that and and do their best to survive um, it's uh, really amazing, but it's really sad as well. Like they should, yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely sad. We like in California struggle a lot with our blue and fin whales being hit by big cargo ships. Um, and we're not entirely sure why it is that they don't move, but they just like don't move and then they just get hit. Yeah, um, well, I do wonder, I mean, that theory that you have on like potentially they're so stressed out that they're kind of just like, what like I mean humans do that too like they disassociate or um will just kind of be stunned in like you know in response yeah get dizzy like if you hit hard your your ears like you get kind of dizzy so maybe it's actually like yeah them like they, there's like a lot of option or so maybe the noise is so loud that they actually can't know where it's from uh, like uh, but it might be a reason I know that there's some people working on that in, uh, with the G-tag, I think, in, uh, in South of France because of that. But yeah, I was surprised that they were still doing military uh, uh, tests in Canada and US. Like, yeah. you know, the southern resident Kilauea are not doing well. And they're like, oh, yeah, just uh, try to uh, have whale watching boat like further. And it's like, can you just do more than just that <laughs> i think it's hard yeah like it's it's difficult for sure because it seems sometimes like that's the only effort that is like put into place and like i think we need to put every effort into place of like make the cargo ships quieter and like i mean they're making the ferries hybrid or some of them are hybrid so i think that that's gonna help um but did like, they ask even them to slow down? I don't think so. Like, it's not, it's definitely not like the same as like the whale watching where it's like, they're like, you can only watch them during this time. And 
this far away. I wonder too, if like a lot of the reason why they're not in their core critical habitat is because of the noise. Like it's probably too much of like, I'm starving and it's like crazy noisy here. Um, they definitely need to do more for sure. Um, it's, it's hard. I don't know. My kind of, my theory though, too, is like, if the, if the whale watching industry just like said that they were not going to watch the Southern residents, that the government would then like the problem would obviously still exist. And I feel like that they would have to take other steps. So if we just like, if everybody backed off and was like, I'm not going to watch them. Um, then the government is left with no other option than to pursue something else because when they're still dying after that point, then like, you know, yeah, they, but not the problem is like, if, if you do that, they, that mean nobody well, or if from shore, but it would be way less people actually seeing them and so sometimes people need to see the animal to love them which is stupid because you can maybe love them from far but like some people need to see them and when you see them you start caring and then you start like wanting to protect them and and so like I, I saw the whale watching like they were like doing great like like really talking to people and trying to have them on their side, like about like protecting them. If there were no whale watching around, like they would probably like die without people, like just people really uh, loving them, like on St. John Island, like seeing them because they always try to find them. But like the random tourists, they would not care anymore. And so the government won't care anymore. No? I mean, I, I completely like understand that argument and I totally like agree. Like I work on a whale watching boat in California and um, like one of my favorite things is seeing people see a whale for the first time. And like when I have those passengers that ask me a million questions about like what's going on in the animals world, what it's like for them, blah, blah, blah. And like, fortunately most of our populations are, are healthy here. And so I always try to talk about the Southern residents, but like we're not around the Southern residents here. And, and a lot of times, most of the time we don't see orca and I still am able to bring that up and get people to care, even if they're, if they're looking at a humpback. And so I feel like we could have the same effect with the transients. It just, to me at this time feels as though we don't have the luxury to continue watching them given like that there's a lot of data, like we can watch them from land. And I think that you can still touch a person's heart by showing them a transient. Oh. Yeah, but um, like when I remember when I was in Sandron, like uh, I don't think like uh, like like the whale watching company were not going for the southern resident killer whale where it was transient around and and I think they were like really and sometimes they like I remember one time it was a, a ship coming like a boat like a fishing boat coming and just not slowing down and and. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, I have her, the Instagram. Yazoo, Sarah was uh, waving, like trying to like them to slow down. And they were trying to talk to the guy, like the fishing boat. And they were like, slow down, slow down. There's killer weight. And he was just not reacting. So I, me, I would also be worried actually uh, that the ship strike would actually go because uh, people actually don't care and just are super fast. Uh, driver and sometimes having a whale watching boat would be like it would they would be able to well that actually the like um, what their name uh, Soundwatch they actually do that but uh, they can't yeah. be everywhere and I mean yeah 
Uh, yeah. At the same time, also like it was, uh, it was so many research based on on near the thousand resident kilowell. I was like, can they just not pop up all together in the same boat? <laughs> that would be like instead of like five research vessels, it would be only one. Okay, maybe it's not the same purpose. So maybe to one for the canyon dog because they're looking for the poo, and and the other one for the photo ID together. I don't know. Almost like no, I, yeah, I feel like it's it's tough because there's like, you know, when it comes to the Southern residents, the only issue, the only thing that's black and white is the Southern residents, like all these issues. It's like a weird gray area. No, but like I totally like I understand and I see both sides, but also like I struggle with the whole like the boats are protecting them thing because there's like no actual scientific evidence to back that and like you could just as easily argue that like it's a magnet to the whales i think you know and a policy that maybe could work is like i mean or that they should look into is any person that is going to be operating a boat in the state of washington needs to like take an online course and like pass a test and it doesn't need to be like super crazy but basically enough to get somebody to like you know, get their attention on like, this is an issue. This is how I behave around the animals. This is how, this is so serious. Like, I think that that would make a difference too. Um, And then at that, also, if you're doing that too, like if the cargo ships and anybody operating that boat, like has to like take this test or whatever, or has to understand this thing, then you're educating people about them. Like you're showing people that wouldn't maybe know about them. Like the people on the cargo ships who are maybe not so interested in the whales, then they are like now, oh, I have to take this test. This is something that I have to be aware of and like mindful of because I think most, I think it would make most people sad if they hit a whale. Like, I don't think anyone wants to hit a whale, um, you know, and so I think people don't care, but yeah, like if they're normal people, I think they would care. But actually in friend, they uh, develop a a software or something called Repset, I think. And uh, it's like if a boat see a whale, uh, you will uh, say, oh, yeah, I saw this whale. You would get the coordinate. And all the people who actually have this software or device will be able to know that they have, it was a whale in this area and they will be able to slow down. But first, you need a boat to be willing to do, be- to do better. And yeah. second, you need this device. And, and I think it was kind of getting ma- mandatory in, in a protected area in the south of France between Corsica and in the south and Marseille, uh, Toulon, but like in Salishi, I think they would something that they could definitely implement, like having the cargo to be able to say, "Oh yeah, it was well here, slow down for the next." But I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Do you think though? Because like one of the things that you had said is like you know, if people care, some people don't care. Do you think that most people would care or? like not so much um it's hard to say like i think there's a lot of people who care there's a lot of people who feel that they can't do anything like there's a lot of like i was in the usn conference in marseille and uh, and i was working with a shark conservation uh, association and a lot of people were coming and they were like what can we do to protect the sharks and i was like which is really frustrating because sometimes you can't do it on the field but it's just with your behavior and in your everyday life, like uh, take care of if they shock in your product and and support this uh, this association and and maybe do that. And and I think that I think a lot of people also get really depressed. They don't want to look face what's going on. 
like like for example my mom yeah <laughs> like sometimes I will be like mom we have to stop the meat like we have to like I I stop all the fish and, and everything but and uh, and she's like yeah but if we like like why would that make that difference and I'm like if everybody do that it would make a difference but if yeah if we are only one person but if nobody start we yeah. have to start somewhere and and uh yeah I think people would care but in a in, in Central Island I was really surprised so I, I went there for the killer whale and I met some people on the island who didn't even know that he was killer whale one guy who was from an um, anacortes and he told me like oh but uh uh, if you want to see Kilo, well, you should go to uh, uh, Antarctica or, or, or Canada or uh, country. No, he didn't say Canada. He said Antarctica or something further. And I was like, are you kidding me? You're from Alacortes and you don't know there is Kilo well, like around, like one of the best spots to see them from shore. I was like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Like, there's like this big... Uh, difference between in Central Island it would be like people who care about them and would go for them all the time they're from shore and at any time and it would be like a lot of people who actually don't know and and don't try to 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 see them and I'm like wow yeah I yeah I definitely think that's it's really interesting like some people just like don't have that interest and that's fine but I also think too, like you touched on some really important points of like people get depressed about it and they don't want to look into it because it seems like too much or we don't think that we have the power to change things. Um, and like, I think ultimately like this comes down to like how we value the environment and like you are 100% right that like somebody has to make that change first. And I remember like watching some video, this guy basically was talking about how he accidentally became a vegetarian because his friends and his girlfriends were vegetarian. And like, he basically just found himself like when he was surrounded by those people eating more like vegetarian based foods. And then one day he realized he was like, I haven't eaten meat in like months. And um, I also remember, cause I studied psychology, watching a video in psychology and um, it was in a leadership class. And basically it was like this person, they were out in a field and they were just like dancing and like, they were like the weird one. They were like, you know, everyone else sitting in a field and then they start corralling a couple other people in. And then, you know, you've got a small group and they corral people in. And then suddenly there's so many people dancing and you're the weird one for not dancing. And I feel like it's the same sort of concept of like, we have to live in our own lives. And I totally fall into that. Like, like having those feelings of like, I can't do anything. I'm not doing anything, you know? Um, and I just said at the beginning of this episode that like, I tried to go study land animals because I didn't want to see the ocean die. And like, it is depressing, but I think that we don't have the luxury anymore to ignore it, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, uh, ignoring it is not the solution. Like for sure it's really depressing. Like sometimes I, I, I stop like, um, you know, when you start like going into pollution and everything, you, it's not just like a never ending story and it just keep going and going. Like for example, the ESN conference uh, about biodiversity, we have to do better and whatever. And, and then uh, like, a, uh, like a week later in Denmark, they were like slaughtering uh, 1,400 uh, dolphin yeah. for culture. And, yeah. and I was like, 
really like is it still happening like what like this is like it's crazy yeah. but we, we can't just ignore it and be like okay well they do that in Denmark like we have like no we have to stop and and I think also a lot of problem is sometimes we just like oh yeah but it's somewhere else you know yeah. like in, in France like I was complaining a lot about okay sorry China with the sharks because yeah. of the shark fin soup and then it was a, a French reporter uh, telling that actually Europe were uh, fishing uh, and supporting uh uh, uh, fishing uh, of sharks in Spain in Portugal and to send them to China and I was like so I've been complaining about China all this time when actually it's happening in Europe why we didn't know about that yeah and, and uh, yeah some, sometimes you like oh yeah but it's somewhere else it's somewhere else but when you start like looking it's like no it's your own country is also doing like really bad things yeah. yeah because I'm talking about the southern resident killer whale but like I'm, I'm not sure, like, uh, I know better about the subject because actually I didn't, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to have position in, in France, but um, like, I'm sure like we're doing lots of, just with the fishing industry in Atlantic, yeah. like with a common dolphin, it's just like a disaster as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, well, we can't, I don't like, and also because you don't want to be, like if if they die they dying but like you don't want to be like oh what if I sh- if I would have done that and it's like me when I, I choose like first another uh, path like into river management I was like no 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 I don't want to have any regret like I want to do my best to do what I like and uh, to protect what I love and there is no no like if yeah some I guess you have to have strengths and core courage kind of because you know that it's going to be depressing and and everything but then you see the the whale and you're just super happy and you're like i find the strength back to fight (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely i like it's so easy to think that everything is like somewhere else like i definitely thought for a while that i would work outside of the u.s because i was like there's so many more issues happening outside of the u.s and then like now I'm very involved in the, you know, Southern resident plight and everything. Um, it's hard like to, yeah, it's, I feel like that people just have to do their best and there's so many issues out there that like, I think the best thing to do for your like own mental sake and also just like for being actually effective in what you want to do is like be open to learning about all of the different issues, but like pick one thing that you're really passionate about and like, just go with it because it's like, I was just listening to a podcast about, um, I can't remember what she said. It was basically like, um, she had a really good word for it, but it was like, when you don't know something, then you don't do anything. Um, like, or when you feel like overwhelmed, it's like, you're, you're basically delayed because you feel like you need to have all the facts first. And it's like, yeah, it's really good to have all the facts first, but like, don't, you know, get, overwhelmed by that something paralysis it was something analysis paralysis that's what she said and I thought that that was really good of like we don't need to know everything like right away like you know be okay with learning obviously like you want to have you want to make decisions founded in science and like have the data but like don't let that stop you from like you know trying to eat less meat or use less plastic you know etc yeah yeah and you know about uh implementation uh, about like uh 
Okay, it's not about the thousand resident kilo where I'm going like a bit, but when I was in Italy, uh, it was like a, a logarithm turtle. And uh, some of the beach in, uh, in the Aeolian Island, they had some issue because uh, in, they removed the sand uh, to put some other like rock, rocky yeah. stuff to have like the beach like bigger, uh, whatever. Yeah. And so turtle came to lie their eggs and just couldn't dig. And so didn't lie their eggs. And I was like, wow, to a, to a 2021. And we're still uh, doing some 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 stupid stuff like this like yeah. how is it possible that we don't uh, take into consideration the other species when we 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 change uh, something natural like like but yeah there's a like and they i think also a lot of people think that they don't they can't do much because maybe they don't have the time and stuff but there's no uh small or big like you do what you can and there's no like I think, yeah, people are like, I know that the archive behavior, like there's a lot of people in Saint-Jean Island who are doing a lot in like, um, I'm not doing much for the Southern resident Kilauea, like, but I'm like just publishing this paper would uh, help for um, to know that that we still have to be more studied that maybe maybe we can uh, learn more about that. And, and we still have to, we have still a lot to learn from them. Uh, we can't let them disappear, like. 100%. I completely agree with you. And I, I think that honestly, like the, some, and a lot of people disagree. They're like, we've studied them enough. We just need to do something. And I, I agree with that aspect, but I also like, I think the more that we study them, the better decisions that we can make. And I think that by you publishing the study where we learn about three new calls, like that's incredible, you know? Um, I think that that is really important. And also too, like, even if this is like not a direct, like conservation okay I'm doing something to restore the salmon I bet you somebody's gonna listen to this and like not know that orcas have dialogue and then learn that and then that's gonna make them feel connected you know like you know they don't have to go see the whale to see that like they can listen to the calls and maybe feel connected to them that way but uh, yeah like yeah listening to them uh is just really amazing and when you can listen and and see them as in the same time like I mean that's just, just, just amazing. There was, yeah. uh, and, and I, I haven't seen like a lot of kilo whale in my life. I saw some in Norway it was really amazing. I remember it was humpback and I was like, fuck the humpback. I come for the kilo whale. I don't care. <laughs> because I definitely went by myself to, to north of Norway just for them. And, and I was like, no, like, <laughs> why are we going for the humpback? Yeah. That's Afterwards, I was like, it was uh, it was my first killer whale. But when I saw the the thousand resident killer whale, it was just they were just so different. Uh, they they just magnificent, and the fact they doing so much breach and and that you could see them like like one time we had one sighting from shore. They were just like like cuddling each other. I was just like wow. Like I mean I mean like. You know that they're communicating. You know that they're close to each other. Like a lot of friends told me, like, "Oh, why kill? Well, they like, they really mean uh, they killing other animals." And I'm, I'm like, "Well, first we do that as well." And there's a lot of species who do that. But if you 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 dive into it, like, they they amazing that uh, the species in Argentina, like that the one that beach to to find the 
the pinniped and then the, the one in Antarctica swimming along together to, yeah. to, to switch the ice and the, uh, the earring technique in Norway, like when they all go together. It's just like amazing that they, they find new uh, behavior, like to collaborate together in different hunting technique and the one in Australia, like all hunting together to, to get away. Like I, I heard like it was like hundred kilo away, like uh, on, for three hours, they, uh, they pray on, on a, on a way like to, to make it tired. Like, it's just like amazing. And you know, they, they smart and you know that they can harm people when they mean to them, like the fact that Telecom killed the, someone uh, so you know that they're smart enough to okay they sometimes they play and they be, can be mean with other animals but like it's, people have been swimming with killer well and it was never no attack so you know that they they know what they're doing and they're smart and, and it's just uh they just yeah really amazing and interesting to to to, to learn but like to study they just uh yeah for sure. Yeah. We love them. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I think they're so interesting. And like, yeah, no, we totally kill animals too. I always think that that's like a really funny argument when people are like, they kill so many things. I'm like, we are literally so barbaric. Like we, humans cause so much unnecessary harm to so many other things. Like you cannot, that's so hypocritical, but they're so interesting. Like with their family structures and their language and the way that the different groups behave, like they're, they're amazing. So what do you hope to see in the future for acoustic cetacean research? Um, well, uh, so we, we know the, we can listen to the sound they're producing, but we still don't know what they're saying. So yeah. I think that the problem, but at some point I'm like, it would be great to know, but I think that's what also is, uh, uh, I always say amazing. Like I can't, like, you know, like, in French, I will find the, uh, some other word to use, but like, yeah. I think I guess I'm lacking of vocabulary. Um, like, uh, it's fascinating uh, to actually not know. You know, they are smart. They know that you they talking to each other. But I guess that's also why we love them so much because we can't totally understand them. Say like mystic uh, kind of and. Um, but uh, like, so the problem in acoustic is like, we don't know who say what to who. And uh, because we know like when they skill all around, they would be like, oh yeah, they, like one of them produced the sounds, one of the, and he was aiming for maybe all of them, maybe just for one, and we don't know. So uh, I know they've been developing something in, on sperm oil, uh, nitrophone to be able to, because they have a really di directional click yeah well uh, so they know which one produces the sound and and so they will be able to say oh yeah this one talk and then this one enter and then i guess uh and i think that's what would be really really nice to to know uh which one are talking to who and and maybe that would help to maybe uh and like kind of like understand better um but uh yeah i think there's a lot of uh people trying to uh, do acoustic and uh, develop some some code and stuff with uh, uh, intel uh, artificial intelligence because maybe there's some really subtlety in there uh, because the whistle, we stereotype them like we say, like it will be uh, in three different year, uh, three different recording, two different years, 
but maybe there's some some subtlety that we are not able to to see or hear because they have like really we we not develop the same way so maybe with yeah. uh, an artificial intelligence and, and coding maybe we'll be able to have these subtilities yeah but, uh, yeah but yeah no i think that that would open up a lot of doors to better understanding them and um helping us to better conserve their populations and also i think to helping people just to connect to wildlife which i think ultimately like at the root of all this you know obviously the southern residents are dying there's not enough salmon there's noise pollution um but like I think it ultimately comes down to how we as humans value the environment and I think that that could help people to change the way that they see things because if they see kind of some of those qualities in them that are similar to us it might help them to connect better yeah um, I was reading a book about like how smart animals uh, are we smart enough to know how smart animals are, and I yeah. think that the problem like all the time we like oh yeah they animals and so it's like we like better than them so I guess a lot of people are like yeah but they don't like they don't think like it's like I mean I think because they think we are higher than them uh, we can do that to them. But like yeah. they prove to be intelligent, it's just not the same intelligence, and that's the problem. And and that's yeah, we have to we have to to change. And yeah, for the southern resident, you know, it has to bridge these fucking dams. Oh my god! I okay. So I don't know if you've seen the film yet, but Coextinction just came out. They're premiering it at different film festivals. They just went to Jackson Wild. They just went to the Vancouver Film Festival. They'll be at the Friday Harbor Film Festival. You can't stream it online yet, but you can stream it online like through these festivals. So if you want to okay. watch it, do that. But holy shit, that film is so powerful, so beautiful, so amazing. I like I genuinely feel like that could have a similar to effect to like how Blackfish was, where that people were like, no Sea World, fuck Sea World. I hope that this has the same effect of like, like, fuck the dams, like they have to go down. Um, but we like the dams need to go down and, and progress is being made in that general direction. Like it seemed impossible for a while. Um, but I had, um, I talked to David Bain from Orca Conservancy and he said that Orca Conservancy, like the way that they've kind of attacked their problems is like, they went for things that they thought that they could win, like to help the orcas. And he said they didn't go for the dams for a while because they didn't think that it was possible and that now they are approaching the dams. And so it's a matter of time, I think. And we just have to keep talking about it and keep pushing it. But those dams need to go down like today. Like it's such. At some point I was like, maybe just someone will go and Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe you should remove that from the podcast. But like, I was like, maybe you just need someone to go with a bomb, like, like, but like, there would be like a really big damage because that would damage like, 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 uh, like it would be like big flood. So no, it, I don't want that either. But uh, at some point, I'm like, it's like Sea Shepherd, you know, people don't like them, and I'm like, yeah, but they're doing something because nobody is listening, and now it's getting too late. We need to act now, and that's the problem. But um, 
But yeah, uh, what the name? Uh, Morton? Uh, Alexander Morton. I, I was reading a book. That's why I stopped salmon. I, like, like I stopped all all fish food. I was like, this is not possible to be uh, wanted to conserve uh, the sea when I'm still eating any like something from yeah. the sea. I'm like, no seafood anymore. This is not possible. Like, uh, and also with all the the salmon farm in in Canada, I was like really shocked and yeah it was a yeah i will definitely uh, look at the co-extinction i heard about this movie because it was not supposed to come out like a while ago yes so their like their goal was to kind of get it out um a while ago but like obviously covid threw a wrench in things for them um but like right now they're trying to get distributors to like pick it up and so they're going around to like different film festivals and like somebody will pick it up I was like fortunate enough to go to the Jackson Wild Film Festival where they first premiered it and like that it was like they it seems like at every single like there's there was not a dry eye in in the theater and like they've gotten a standing ovation every time that they've gone around and it's it's a beautiful film like and I think that it really has the potential to make some serious change so definitely go watch it I'm hoping somebody picks it up like somebody big like Netflix or Nat Geo or something like that I think there was a Disney producer there but I feel like Disney's all about like happy stuff mm. and this is not happy um so but is like a really depressing movie at the end well, it is I mean it basically is it's just the story of how like you know Gloria and Elena which are the two directors how they you know got they found this love for the southern resident killer whales they learned about their play and then like once they looked into it they were like wait a second this is not just whales this is salmon wait a second this is not just salmon this is human rights and then they like share um some perspectives from different indigenous groups and they have that in the film and it's like it really beautifully orchestrates how it's like both the human rights, animal rights, climate change, like entire ecosystem collapse video. Like there's a whole lot. And like, obviously you can't cover everything in like a film, but like they did a really good job of hitting on the really important stuff. Um, so yeah, go watch it. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So like if they go to Friday Arbor, it like I would be able to see it online. Wizard. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that's the next premiere. So, um, I believe the Friday Harbor Film Festival is happening in about a week or so. Um, so just go online, Google Friday Harbor Film Festival, and I don't know if there's a fee or not, but you can stream it online. Um, so go, definitely everybody. the time difference that's going to be like a tough. Uh... That that is a tough one. Um, I think to. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's worth it. I would wake up at, in the middle of the night to watch that film. It's so good. But maybe, like, um, I think sometimes, too, maybe you can go to the Jackson Wild one because I think that they did a lot of, like, like you can access the recordings after they happened. So maybe okay. you can go to that one. Going to, uh, Jackson Film Festival? Yeah, Jackson Wild Film Festival. Or uh, Friday album. Or Friday Harbor Film Festival. Yes. Okay. So everyone should go check that out. Um, well, I have one last question for you. And this is a question I ask everybody. What can we learn from the whales? Uh, well, uh, 
seeing they like kind of like at the top of the food chain, uh, seeing them dying mean that the ecosystem is really not going great. Yes. Uh, and that we need to to act now. Um, because we, we need to, to save them. There is no there is no argument about uh like like we have to. This is not possible to to let them go. Yeah. And um and yeah, and it's just like uh how they uh, actually live together, uh like in okay, maybe probably not in harmony, there's probably like bad stuff going on in but like the fact that um, the transient and the, they have been coping to with each other, okay, maybe not all the time, like really great, but I mean, we have to rethink about like collaboration and like we're getting more and more selfish and and, and just looking at animals, how they, uh, yeah, they collaborate and uh, share food and, and it's just, yeah. We have to to rethink about our behavior with each other. Yeah, I would say so. Mm. And uh, yeah, but I mean, even even if we don't learn that much from them, just uh, just bring so much joy. Like, I mean, what you experience when you see, like when I experience when I see them, like there's nothing that the same. Yeah. No, it's they're definitely a very like special population. I can think back to the first time that I ever saw them, and I have only seen them a handful of times. Um, but they're definitely a special group of whales for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Um, well, um, hopefully they will be able to to understand everything. And uh, yeah, well, uh, I hope after this podcast, they will uh, start to not ignore. But I guess people who are listening to your podcast are not ignoring what's happening. Yeah. And just try to to do to do better in the daily life. Ecological, there's more and more ecological shampoo, like 100% natural. And this is, it seems like stupid, but like the water quality is, is really getting bad and water is precious and, and the water from land going the the sea and we have to really have to save it and uh, the, the pollution in, in the water is, is really bad for for every species and uh, and we, that's something that we can do uh, save the water and uh, protect it like from pollution as much as we can yeah um, and and share and just talk about it even though like I have some friend, one time I, we were talking a lot about sharks uh, with a friend because it was a lot of sharks that, that in, in the island and in French island. And one of my friends were like, oh, we're coming to your party, but if you're not talking about sharks and I was like, yeah, well, that, that's okay. But at the same time, it's like, no, if, if I'm passionate about something, you should not stop. You have to share your knowledge and have to, convince people that are uh, ignorant about it. Like my friend, I think they all changed their mind about the killer whale. They're not mean anymore. Like um, sometimes you like, oh, I'm just giving up because they're so stupid. Like, But we have to find the, the just the right way to say it, to not get into fight, but we have to, to try to change people's opinion because talking to people who actually 
already agree with you it's easy but yeah. you have to to go <laughs> sometimes with people who actually don't care or and just try to change the mind and and all together hopefully we'll we'll get in we'll get to it yeah uh, but there's three pregnancy right three. there are three pregnancies right now which so exciting yeah i i agree with you gotta like have the difficult conversations and like lead by example because you know like be the person that's like dancing on your own for a while and then hopefully you'll get other people to change and like show them that it's important because you know you never know like it, maybe someone that you love is not super interested in this stuff but because of their relationship with you and they see how much you care you could inspire them um yeah I think that that's definitely important um well thank you so much for being here and I'm gonna post the link to your study in the bio down here um and I'm excited to see how where your career goes in the world of killer wear acoustics well it's it's sad to say but uh, it's really hard for killer well like uh that's why i was so glad that monica gave me the chance to study them because i'm like maybe it was only one time but, like i'm not going to give up now like i'm i'm going to do my visa for canada because there's more opportunity over there i think than in france uh but uh, yeah it's so hard uh but uh, yeah, I'm like, if I'm so passionate, I'm just going to to find something. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people just give up, but uh, I won't. <laughs> Good. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Tune in in two weeks for an episode um, talking about the new protected areas that we have for the Southern Resident Killer Whales. Liam and Shelby and I will be posting our PORP episode this Monday. We've been a little behind because life has been crazy and then I got COVID so um been kind of dead but um bear with us but thanks for listening tune in next time and have a great week